Hello everyone and welcome back to Inside Art Scroll, where the books you read and the people who write them come to life. Today we have the privilege of being joined by Daniel Redder, the author of Hamafteach on Talmud Bavli and Shisha Sidri Mishnah. Thank you, Mr. Redder, for being with us. And I'm excited to talk to you about your magnum opus, a volume that you've put tremendous effort into, and the forthcoming expanded volume, which we'll talk about. So tell us how you got into putting together Hamafteach and why it took such an interest in your life. Well, I've been going to yeshiva since, I guess, I'm six years old. And ultimately, I began to learn Gemara and Taisvis and Rashi. And it always bothered me why there was no index to the Gemara. But I didn't pay much attention. Then as I became a lawyer, I realized that every academic book, every educational book has an index. Uh, like I always tell my clients, I don't have to know where everything is, but I have to know how to find it. Right. And I'm saying to myself, why didn't, why hasn't there been a maftech until now? So I did some history, I did some research actually, and I recognized that the reason there was no, in effect, a reference guide or indexed reference guide on Shas was because Shas evolved. It evolved to a point where there was really no daf as we know it, and omad as we know it, until many, many, many years after the Gemara was, so to speak, discovered or actually written. So you have Rabbein HaKadosh, and you have the Savaroyim, and then you have the, the, the Goinim, and there was no daf. As a matter of fact, if you look at Rashi, he'll say, Ayin Bovakama Perikrishin. Rashi never says daf what. Later on, the editor said what daf it was, because there was no such thing as a daf in Rashi's times. So then, you had the Sansino, uh, uncle and nephew. They're the ones who created, in effect, what we call the Tzur Sadaf today. But they never really got to Shas. They did a half a Masech, they didn't work out. Then a fellow by the name of Daniel Bomberg, he is the one, he was not religious, he's not Jewish, he was a Christian, but he had, he was in, from Antwerp, although he did his publishing in, in Venice. He had an assistant, a uh, Jewish fellow, his name I think was Rabbi Levi, I don't remember his name, who introduced him to Hebrew font. And he decided to print all of Shas. And he continued the Tzur Sadaf of the Sansinos, this is it from Italy. He moved it over to Venice, where they were permitted to publish, because Venice was basically an independent country, independent city-state. And he published it, known as the Bamberg Shas. At that point, sorry, and this followed by a few years, the printing press by, uh, uh, I forgot who, <laughs> forgive me, um, by, uh, it'll come to me. Okay, so, so the printing, was it Gutenberg? Yeah, Gutenberg, he invented the printing press. And the first Hebrew sefer that was printed, some say it was the Aruch, but at the end of the day, is, it was Bamberg who printed the Shas. And he printed, I think it was 16 volumes of all of the Shas. What's interesting is, the author of the Mesosa Shas was Yeshua Boaz. And he printed the Mesosa Shas, or he wrote it, within 15 or 20 years after Bamberg printed it. It wasn't a coincidence, because now for the first time you had the Daf and Ahmed, because the Mesosa Shas is see Daf so-and-so, Daf so-and-so. Of course, he was a genius because there's no computers in those times. So at the end of the day, they invented the, uh, they, they, they created the, the Daf uh, and Ahmed Alphamid Bey's uh, uh, setup. 
Then at that point, Shas was really learned by very relatively few people, an elite, Bnei Yeshiva, etc. And if they wanted to find something, they go to the Rebbe. Rebbe and Rebbeim were for five, 10, 15 Talmidim. And therefore, there was no reason that you had to have it because you ask Rav Kanievsky, he doesn't need him next. He knows it by heart because he's Rav Kanievsky, okay? So there were many, many Gedolim who existed as Rebbeim, and the Talmidim would go ask the Rebbe because they had a personal relationship with the Rebbe. Fast forward to the uh, Dafyomi. Along comes of Meir Shapiro. He says, we want all of Klai Yisrael to learn Dafyomi. Why? So that if two Jews are on a railroad and they're going from minks to pinks, they can talk about the same Daf that they both learned. That's a classic thing of Meir Shapiro. Okay. Then Dafyomi all of a sudden became something which a lot of people were learning, not just people in the yeshiva, but Batamosa. But there was really no way for them to be able to find out where a particular sugyu was because there was no index, so they struggled with it. Then along came Art Scroll. Art Scroll revolutionized the Dafyomi. They took Rav Meir Shapiro's idea and they revolutionized it, both in English and in Hebrew. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, everybody was learning Gemara. Now, people were willing to criticize. As a matter of fact, I understand that the Israeli government were not willing to give that scrum so quickly because they said, listen, I, you want everybody to learn Gemara in English? But, and they finally were convinced that it's the right thing to do at the right time. Um, I then realized that Dafyomi now was being learned by many, 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 many people, by thousands, tens of thousands of people. Another phenomena. All of a sudden, the yeshivas, like the Mir, there weren't 50 kids in the class, there were 500 people, right? You had thousands of people in the yeshiva now. One Rebbe was teaching hundreds of children. So there was a little less personal relationship between the Talmud. And if the Talmud wanted to know where something was, you know, he didn't just walk up to the Rebbe, he had to go to a mashkiach, he had to go to this, whatever. So at the end of the day, you had a confluence of automation. You now had printed Gemaras. You have the Dafyomi. You have the art scroll. But you're missing... A, in effect, an index, what I call an indexed reference guide to the Gemara. So at that point, I said to myself, why should this Sefer not be indexed, in effect? So I met with various Rosh Yeshiva. I said, you know something? I want you to go to your Bacharim and ask them for subjects. It could be Bob Metziah, El Metzias, it could be Taharis, Medris, or, or, or Avatum, etc., from the easiest to the hardest. I want to have all the Yonim you can think of. Because in order to make Hamaftayach, uh, you have to have everything that a person wants to think of. It's like if you look up a word in a dictionary, if it's not there, you throw it in a dictionary. What goes to the dictionary if I can't find out? If I want to spell scissors, the word scissors is not there, you throw it in a dictionary. So I want to make sure that you would have a. Uh, a comprehensive. Now, what there. year? I'm sorry. What what year was this that you came to this revelation that you wanted to launch this project? Seven years before 2001. What would that be? 1994. Um, why am I thinking 1987? 1994 was it? No, it was earlier than that. It was earlier than that. Uh, in the in the early 90s. Okay. Early 90s, right? Because it took me seven years to put it together. Um, three years the Hebrew, four years the English. 
So about seven years. Okay, so now if we're talking about the, if we're talking about the nineties, we published in two thousand and one. It came out two thousand and one. So about seven eight years before. With that. the advent of computers, and the internet, some people the natural question would be, you know, Daniel, it's a great project, but why, why do we need it in a volume? Excellent, excellent. I'm I'm gonna, you, I'll find what I'll, I need. Uh, excellent. So let me use a the Barilan as an example. Barilan. Okay. A small example. Barilan is a search engine. You put in rubber, there are 4,500 rubbers in Shas. That is not necessary for most people to know. But they want to know Yal Kagam. They want to know the important parts. So that's, hold that for a moment. Then you have an interesting Gemara Baba Kama, Daf Pei, which is a story about various Amaroyim, I think Rav and Shmuel, whoever, and they talk about a Suda of Pirk, it's called. Um, uh, Yeshua Saben. It's a Gemara speaking like Yeshua Saben. What's Yeshua Saben? Machlok is Russian Tysus. Some say it's the Suda of a Brismila. Some say it's the Suda of a Pidgin Aben. Because the word Yeshua could be Purkan. And Rashi calls it Purkan Aben. Purkan. But that's a very non. No one knows what. No one calls that Purkan Aben or Yeshua Saben. So if you want to look, where's the Makar of Pidgin Aben in the in Gemara? That's the Makar. The Makar that you have a Suda of a Pidgin Aben. The Makaris in the Gemara in Bavakamadafei, but the word Pigeon Ben is not mentioned. So if you go through a search engine, let's say a Barilan, look at the Pigeon Ben, there are other messages of Pigeon Ben, but no one over there will see this Gemara in Dafpei. Why? Because the word Pigeon Ben is not found there. In Hamafteach, it's not a search engine. It's written for Tamir Chacham. It's written for people who are Yedea Torah. And people have an appreciation of that. So if you look over here on the Pigeon Aben, it'll cite you to the Gemara of Perkin Aben. Even though it's not that particular exactly. verbiage. Because it's not a search engine. It's not a search engine. So to answer your question, if you go on a computer and you look for Pigeon Aben, you're not going to find it. All right? So that's just one, that's just one example. So, the, so, so basically, it took, me se- it took me seven years to put it together. And I uh, had to get the subjects. So I went to various rabbanim, and I didn't tell them why. I was afraid that someone else would do it before me. Very famous mm-hmm. story of the Beis Yosef and the, and the, Beis Yosef and the Ramah. They were working on the, same, on the same idea. One was in Krakow, one was in Svat, and they didn't know, I don't think they knew what they were doing, there was no internet then. And the mazel of the Ramah was, was that although the Beis Yosef came out first, the mazel of the Ramah was, was that he was for the Ashkenazim, the Beis Yosef was for the Svatim, so they matched them together. But you have a very sad story. I'm not going to mention some names of a very well-known person who's putting the Ramban together. He lived in America, very, very well-known person. And he worked on it for years and years and years. And then six months before he was finished, someone else came out with the Ramban. And they say he died because of that. He it's was devastating. He was heartbroken. So I was afraid that if the idea would come out, that I put all of this effort and work into it, that somebody else would do it before me. So it's... It is what it is. Now, did you compile the listings manually, or were you able to use a computer in order to assist you in coming up with the The topic? listings were manual. In other words, I had wow. hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. Thousands. And then, once I had, let's say, Shabbos, then I went through Malachis. Subcategories. Uh, so so these, this was all man-made. This was all created. This was all created. So what I did was I took an Indian of Shabbos, and then I went Malachis of Surois, and then we had uh, Malachas dealing with farming, Malachas dealing with eating, etc., 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 and then stories about Shabbos, etc. So this, of course, was not done by a computer because this concept, 
the, 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 the composition of it was something which never had been done. As a matter of fact, when I went to the copyright office in Washington to get a copyright of this, um, they said to me, Mr. Redder, we don't give copyrights for an index. Because an index, you've got a, a copyright for something you're creating. Mm. You can take a telephone book and scramble it in a different way. Uh, yes, alphabetical, not alphabetical, first name, first name, last name, first, first name, last. You can't copyright that. It's got to be something new. So I brought him the, I brought him the art scroll. I said, listen, you're going to see that what I've done is, and I gave an example of your shoes and Ben. He says, oh, you're right, that word is not in there. So it's really not an index, it's a reference guide. I said, right, reference it's a guide. reference guide. So as a matter of fact, it's called an indexed reference guide. And that's how we got this. So they said, you know what? We're gonna give you a copyright for organization, for composition, for the way you set it up, because we didn't literally translate. It's not a word search engine, it's not a right. search engine. As a matter of fact, all of the search engines, you can get a copyright of that. Because why? Because you're not creating anything new. All you're doing is you're organizing all this, you, you can't copyright the telephone book because you're not creating anything new there. You're taking names and phone numbers, you're putting it, and lists are not copyrightable. So that's why these aren't, and this is. Now, after you put out your first version, did you have people coming over to you and say, Mr. Reddy, you know, you left out Kim Le Bedurabim, you left out beautiful. this. Ah, beautiful, beautiful. So let me back up to that. I had the Hebrew first, and I was literally dying to get it out. But I was afraid if I got it out in Hebrew, then somebody would just go to Google and they would scramble it, you know, you can translate Google, and then you'd have a, a half-baked English one which I didn't want. So I held on to it, I said no. And also I was afraid somebody would copy the idea in English. So for seven years it was like a, <laughs> I'm not a novi, but novi shukavash nevuoso for profit doesn't disclose, like, like Yoyna, he was punished, he was supposed to say the beast. he didn't. So I knew that I had a tough get over here to get out with it, but I was afraid to do it so prematurely. So I did it after seven years. Now, another interesting thing, and I'll get to your answer. Usually, we have magnificent Haskamas in here, from Rav Kanayevsky and Libodov and Achayim, Rav Steinman, and from Hasidish and Sephardish and Litvish, and, 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 and every kind of board we have, we have Haskamas. Now, typically, when you write a Sefer, you go to your Rav and your Shul and to your Rebbe. And you finish the Sefer in a certain month. After it's finished, you show it to them, and they're very happy. And they are, uh, they give you a scum. So the date of the scum is typically very, very close to the date of the publication. All these scums are seven years before it was published. Why? Because my wife, my wife Margie, said to me, you know, you're going to do all this over here, and you're going to work on it, and then, you're not going to get any scummers. They can say, they can say, don't do it that way. So I got the scummers first, and I just showed them galleys of it. So once I got the scummers, then I went ahead and it took me another five, six years to put it together. So your question was, what was the reaction when it was printed? In the Hanfteich, it says, if there are any comments or errors that you find, please email me. So I'm up there. Baruch Hashem, I got about 500 emails, none of them were criticism, none, and they were all complimentary. And I would receive one or two from, you could see really B'nai Torah, mostly from Israel, who said, you know, I would have done it a little differently. You wrote based on you didn't say based on Mitzvah, Rishon or Shani, you know, et cetera. Right. Got to refine. Also, you should cross-reference, like, you know, Bezdin, Minyan, Abinyan, you should mention with, with Shmuel Navi. So I, I realized that I had, to, I had to refine it, but it was all complimentary. I got one or two very nasty ones from Goyim from Goyim, who 
said, ah, the Bible, the Talmud, it's all, but of course, I, 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 but I received only very, very nice ones. Now, there's one thing which is very, very important. We deal with something called Gentiles and Akum. And no, we have to make sure that the Shomai Yisrael. So I realized that anytime the Gemara mentions something that may have been considered to be derogatory or considered to be not politically correct, I change it to Akum. Avoidus Kachov Mazolis, idolater. Well, who can get insulted? Nobody's an idolater today. But to say a Gentile, so you could say a Gentile, let's say the English one, is not uh, able to testify. Nobody gets insulted about that. So these are things that I had to refine. So the reaction of is very, very positive. Now, we're now coming with a Maftecha Chadash. What you see over here now is something which was completely upgraded. What does that mean? Originally, the Maftech was a macro safer. Macro. One volume over here, we had all the popular members, the popular... Uh, uh, the popular in Yonim, that everybody knew about, and where, where's the place? But I said to myself, it's not satisfactory. I want to have a micro, meaning I want to be a kind of mafteach where even the smallest thing should be there as well. For example, you're learning Gemara, and then 30 baht later on you say, oh, we just had this thing with a bai over here, such and such, he was in, in Fumnahara, he was in Erdor, what's it about? I put that in also. So you're going to find now that the mafteach chadash, which Yemetz Hashem is going to come out very soon, and I'm so proud that Otzkroll agreed to act as the publishing distributor, and of course I was, I consulted with many of their Tamir HaChachamim in art school, I mean, they have a, <laughs> they have a, a group of Tamir HaChachamim like Barnon, and we consulted with them, and we, we, we changed it, we fixed it, etc., etc., etc. So, the Hamavteach Chadash is really, it's the Hamavteach, what I would call, upgraded. Forgive the Lushan on steroids. It's like, it's, it's really, it's, it's, we've added about 40% more, really? um, and yet, 40% more Arachim, um, which are subjects, and Marimachimus, naturally. And yet we still did it in one volume. Why? The genius of, of Shia Brander. Shia Brander, he said, let's not do it in two, volume, in two columns, we'll make it in three columns, but we'll make it in such a way that it isn't even smaller. So you so fit more on a page. We fit more on a page. But it shouldn't feel so it, tight. And it's and not condensed. squeezed. It's right. almost like we said, the Arankosh over there, it fit into a place which didn't have a size for it. Al Nes Oymit. Over here also, between Shia and Ben Gassner, who is a graphic artist from Israel, geniuses, all right? And it's like, you know, you take a dictionary, you read it, then you put it away. It draws you in. Oh, let me see the next one, the next one, the next one. Because the font and the spacing, the graphics are magnificent. And it makes you want to even more, look more and more and more. Or they say, why? You're just looking something up. I want to look for more and more. Now, I have so, to ask, I have to interrupt for a second. Anyone's, anyone who's watching this, yeah. the thousands and thousands of people all over the world are hearing your passion, your excitement. Mm -hmm. This is clearly your life's work. You live it. You breathe it. I could tell just hearing you recount the history of putting it together. By profession, though, you're an attorney, a successful attorney. How does an attorney come to take on such a project and really make it your life's passion? Well, I did a lot less lawyering. <laughs> <laughs> but what, what I meant was really, who was your inspiration in your younger years in terms of your Talmudic background, your chinuch, people who influenced you to love Gemara learning the way you do? that you would put in such effort well, and do so much less lawyering. I will tell you, I will tell you, I'll tell you. Rav Simcha Binim Ehrenfeld, the Matzah Ruv, he was the son of the Matzah Ruv when I learned the Chassan Seifer. Rav Tiernawa. From Shemr Shabbos? No, Rav Tiernawa, he's no longer alive. He was my Rebbe in Chassan, Matzah Seifer, he's my Rebbe there. Um, they were 
big influences in my life. Rav Pala, my Rosh Hashiva. You learned in Makar Chaim? By Rabbi Yaman Pala. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. So you grew, you grew up in Borough Park? I know. I grew up in the West Side, but uh, West Side. I commuted. <laughs> commuted. And I went to college at night, you know, kind of bishtika. And How long did you learn by Rav Pala? I learned Rav Pala from the moment he opened up the yeshiva there in, in, in Borough Park. Wow. As a matter of fact, it was my grandfather who bought him his building. So my inspiration were my father, who I dedicated the English Amafteach, my Shver of Rappaport, to whom I dedicated the Amafteach, and my grandparents, my grandfather, Bichil Akhain Rosenblatt. So they were the great, great influences in my life, where they taught me term derech eretz, which sometimes people saying don't, it's not politically correct anymore. To me, it's politically correct. I'm a term derech eretz person, all right? But because, you know, uh, look at Revichina Sandler, they weren't embarrassed to say what they did for a living, right? So I recognize there's a wonderful thing in, you know, in having people sit and learn all day because, and I say to my friends, I listen, in Princeton University, they do R&D, research and development. They got a lot of money for that. So the guys learning the code, they're doing R&D. They're doing research development of Talmud. So there's nothing wrong with that. But... Everybody's got a different tafket in life. Like, I think Rabbi Yankov Kamnesky said when they asked about women and men at the Dafyomi, he said, listen, men have a certain tafket in life and women have a certain tafket in life. So it doesn't mean that they're discriminated against, but that's their job in life. So I feel the same way. So as a, uh, as a, as a lawyer, having a love of books, and having a love of letters, I learned that probably from my, from my father, um, I uh, just made it my life's, as you say, my life's passion to, uh, to get this out. But without my wife helping me, it wouldn't have been done because you have to have a wife and yeah, uh, who, who, who cooperates and wants because my wife is a bastam l'chacham of my shver. And my children who encouraged me and they were happy for me and they checked it and they corrected it, et cetera, et cetera. So at the end of the day, uh, I have a lot of a curse to have those people who inspired me. Now, what type of law have you practiced? Immigration and real estate. Immigration and real estate? Is What's that... the connection? <laughs> people come from the, from the different country. They usually have money if they can afford me. They make investments. I help them with the investments. That's what it is. Got it. And you live in Riverdale now? I live in Riverdale, yes. How long have you lived there? Well, I grew up in the West Side. We lived in Brooklyn for a couple of years when I went to Yeshiva, when I was, when I was married. Then moved to Florida for 20 years. Oh, wow. Lived in Florida, Miami Beach. And then we came back here because we want our children to have chinuch. We came here for our children's chinuch. My parents wow. said to me, Danny, why are you coming to Florida? Is something wrong? I said, no because I want my children to have chinuch here, and I don't want to be in Miami like some of my friends or my older friends with a husband and wife, like they have nobody around the table on Shabbos, and all the kids are in yeshiva in, in New York. I want to be with my kids. So we all decided to come to New York. My wife and I came to New York. My children were not too happy. I said, you'll be happy, don't worry, because Miami's a nice place. And Baruch Hashem, I said, at every one of your weddings, you're going to say to me before the chuppah, Daddy, thank you, mommy, for moving us. Everyone did. Now, having had a kesher to the Matas Dovarov, to Rav Turnauer, to Rav Pahler, any particular story stand out, or experience or an interaction that you had with them that you could share with our viewers? Um, uh, you know, you asked me now on the spot. I've got a fantastic experience I had with Kanayevsky. When, okay. uh, when I, let me tell you, this is something outstanding. Rav Kanayevsky, as you know, usually wears a white shirt to 120 years plus. He's such a wonderful man. And he, he stands there by a stander, sits on a stand in his, in his house. And there are always people around him. Have you ever been there? You see, there's always people around him. So I went in there to present him the safer because he gave me a haskama on the safer. I went in to present him the safer, had in my hand. He looked at me, didn't recognize me because this is like seven years after he gave me the haskama. He's probably given haskamas to thousands of, or mechta brach, whatever they call it. I walked in there and I don't wear a beard, I don't wear a stramo. 
So imagine the kids around them say, ah, oh, this is going to be entertaining. American guy comes, let's see what's going to happen over here. But I speak Yiddish. So I spoke to him. I said, I had the safer, the, 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 the big volume I had, which I showed you, but you wanted to have this because it fits better into the little <laughs> shtender here. I said to Hilg Rosh Hashiva, I'd like to present you for He looks at it, and he takes it from me. He leans back on his seat, and he's flipping through the pages, flipping, flipping. He's looking for something. His, bur- his, his eyebrows are furrowed, bur- furrowed, looking for something. He sees it. And as he's going through, I say, oh my gosh. If he can't find what he's looking for, he'll take back the Mechta Bracha. That would be very embarrassing. A big smile. He stands up, he gives me a hug, and he gives me all sorts of brachas that it should be matzliach and brachas was the sky. I said, with the Rosh Hashiva, can we zog him? I'll say it in English. Would the Rosh Hashiva tell me, please, what he was looking for? He says, yeah. He says, I'm in the middle of a diyun, I'm in the middle of a trial. I said, Rosh is in the middle of a trial? Rosh is a, a litigant? A bandit? A, 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 a baldin? He yeah, chas v'shalom. He says, let me tell you. He says, there's a big, big dintar in Yishalayim. And the best made a mistake. And they awarded a lot of money to one of the parties. And the party who lost and paid the money is suing the Bezdin because of the mistake. So they asked me what Allah is. Now, in Gemara Lushin, that's called Tashlumen. Mazik and Tashlumen, it depends, if it, was sure, it depends if it was a matter of, of, of discretion, if they forgot a Mishnah. It makes a big difference. But he says, this would be called Pitsuim, damages, in damages in Hebrew, modern Hebrew. He says, I wanted to see if the Mafteach had it under the Gemara Lushin or under Pitsuim. And I found on the Pitsuim also, he says, he said to me, I see you put it in the Hebrew also. I said, yes. He says, good. He said, your Mafteach has to speak to everybody, not just to the people who know it on the Tashlumen. People look on the Pitsuim Bezdin. And there's a thing called Pitsuim Bezdin. And that's what I was looking for. So I said, wow, this is something. And then the PS is, I went to Steinman the same day to be Mechabed and Mesefer. Steinman sees me and says, do, 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 mit Mafteach. I said, wow, he saw me seven or eight years before that. He remembered me. Can you imagine? I said, wow, that blew my mind. Blew my mind. So that was, yeah, I'll tell you a story of Chernow. <laughs> it's a little yeah. embarrassing, but I'll tell it to you. I had a Chabrusa. We learned in, we learned in Tachsan Seifer in East 6th Street. Remember, that we, East 4th Street was the main place, and 6th Street was the public school. We rented it. Okay. So we had a fair. Two things I'm telling. Two things. He was, my, he was my first Rebbe when I came to Chassan Seifer. He said, he asked me a kasha, he asked my, my, my chabra kasha, chabra kasha, and we didn't know the answer. He says, okay, he says, I want to know who's the owner of this shor over here. So it was like a crack. But then, the first time I saw him, he said, and he spoke to the whole class, he says, Megate in the subway, in the zimmer, you go to the subway in the summer, and Mezait froen unhent unfis. You see women without hands, without feet. Baton is kicking. Now I look. I don't know what he's talking about. So I come home, I said, I said, Daddy, I said, you know, you're not gonna believe it. My Rebbe said that we go on a subway, you see women with their hands without feet. Now look at them. He says, no, that's what it means. Unhent feet means that the feet are uncovered and the hands are uncovered. So that's the expression. So I remember this stayed with me for all my life, unhent feast. And the last thing was, we once asked the Rebbe, if you're in a store and you're not sure if it's kosher, this was before OU was so popular. Remember, we see Goldenberg's peanut juice. If it said pure vegetable oil, oh, it must be kosher. 
So you remember, you made me that an old, but in our days there was no OU. It was, the OU wasn't as popular. So he said to me, Rebbe, if you're not sure if it's kosher or not, not eat it. So he told me something which I've repeated dozens and dozens of times to my friends who are Jewish, my friends who are not Jewish. He says, you know what? If you're not sure if something is poison or not, would you eat it? I said, no. He says, consider it the same way. If you're not sure if it's kosher, you're not sure if it's poison. So when I walk into a store and I see something, and I'm not sure it's kosher, right away it rings the bell. I said, my Rebbe said, you got to remember, if it would be poison or not, would you eat it? No. So when people say to me, Mr. Redder, how can you go and eat something which is not, maybe it's, it's kosher, but it's not kosher. I said, I'm afraid it's like poison to me and I wouldn't touch it. So that's kind of the influence that I had. Stayed with you. Of the German word called Kinderstube. My mother's born in, in, German, in Germany. My father's born in Vienna. So we're kind of Galiziano. Although we're from very Hasidic stock. My mother's from the Alexander Hasidim. My father's in the Kapitschus of Hasidim. So we're Kapitschus of Hasidim, original family. So we're from that stock. And um, it's something called Kinderstube. Kinderstube means it's something you were taught at home. You know, when somebody comes to your house as a guest and before they sit down, they'll say, may I sit down? Or... Let's say if somebody is like sleeping with you in the, in the house for two, three days, before he goes to the refrigerator, say, may I go to the refrigerator and take something? That's what you're taught in the home. You're taught that before you go to somebody, you bring them a little gift. It's, you don't have to, but that's the way you're brought up. So the, 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 the love of learning that I have is not because I'm so smart about it, but I was, I was, I was trained that way, that, that there's such chachm. You know, they, they don't call him razal, they call him chazal. They don't call them Rabbonim Zechon Lebrocha, they call them Chachamim Zechon Lebrocha. Because these were geniuses, they were so smart. And the Amunah is, if these genius people, if they're so elok and so balmaminim and they believe in everything, and they're smart people, then what am I, smarter than them? If they spent, if they gave up their whole life for this, I can give up part of my life for this also, because it's got to be true. Well, you have clearly given a tremendous portion of your life, time-wise, monetarily, otherwise, into this project. Thank you. You've thus enhanced the Limud Gemara for untold thank numbers of people. Thank you. So on behalf of Oilam we thank you for your contribution, an eternal contribution. It's an honor for Artscroll to be able to publish your latest version, the expanded version. It's called Hamafteach HaChadash. Hamafteach HaChadash. And you should be zeichen for many more years to be able to enhance other people's learning and to serve as a role model Thank of you. the Havas Atayra and the respect for Limit Atayra as you Thank have. Thank you very much. I appreciate the honor of being able to be interviewed. Thank you for joining us.